this morning and this afternoon with God's help, we want to look at Hebrews 10, looking at standing on God's faithfulness and looking this afternoon, Lord willing, at four ways of building on that faithfulness for our congregation moving forward from here. Standing and building on God's faithfulness. Verse 23, but we'll read 10, 1 through 25, found on page 1193. 1193, Hebrews 10. Just saying, because of the finished work of Christ, access to God with a faith that cannot disappoint us, the future is ours. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, that's the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have had ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As the day of the Lord gets closer, it's 
all the more important to meet together and encourage one another. But verse 23, let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus, I wasn't there and most of you weren't there, but 25 years and four days ago on a stormy winter Sunday morning, January 3, 1999, about 100 people gathered at Frank and Jane Vanderhyde's workshop upstairs in the karate club. Not for karate, but for worship. They had come to the first service of what was called the United Reformed Church in Strathroy. As they went in, they were greeted by brother and sister Jake and Linda Fetima, who are now with the Lord. They were given a bulletin prepared by sister Liz Looper, who is also now with the Lord. Ushered by Charlie Solomons and Peter Overgau, walked to their seats as Grace Vanderdeen was playing music on the organ. She also is now with the Lord. Pastor Steve DeBoer from Eastmanville United Reformed Church in Michigan led the service. All other churches in the area were canceled. Our overseeing church in Wyoming was also canceled. The snow was too bad for them to come. So it was, in a sense, unauthorized, without oversight. But God was there. The call to worship was Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. And the minister preached on Luke 9, 57 through 62, a sermon on the cost of following Jesus. It was called Setting the Course. And after the service, Rick and Anya Boer served coffee. And I hope their daughter Bertina helped them. You better check with her afterward. But why is the question today? Why did they do this? Well, I suppose there were a number of reasons There were worship issues, and that's not a small deal when you look at the second commandment and its consequences. There were issues of Bible interpretation and leadership, very weighty matters. Women's ordination, creation, creation versus evolution, but finally, can you really trust what the Bible says? Will we really follow it? There were issues of preaching and teaching. How should we preach and teach the word of God and teach catechism to our youth? But here's the main deal, I believe. How do we hang on to Christ? How do we hold to our faith? If we slip slide from our faith, there's nothing left, nothing. For us, for our children, and we feel ourselves slip sliding, And we can't let this go on. We need a new start to hold fast to our confession of faith. But why is that important? Because we need to hold fast to God. He's the only absolutely faithful one that we can trust to hold us up and to take us all the way to glory. If you put your trust in the opinions of man, put your trust in the things of this earth, we'll all fall apart. There'll be nothing left, nothing to hold on to. So in the end, it had to do with we need to give ourselves 
to the faith. Hold on to the faith because on the other side of that faith, the one we're holding on to is a faithful God and without him, we've got nothing, nothing. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I'm not going to use the points in the bulletin, but follow this order. First of all, the context of this call to hold fast the faith, to stand firm in the confession of our hope, the call, the context of this call. The Hebrew Christians, whom God is addressing in this book, were also slip sliding away from Christ, from the faith. They were wavering in their confession of hope. Why? Family issues. These were Jewish people who had become Christians. And they left the Old Testament worship, the sacrifices, the temple, the priests, the robes, the incense, the smells and bells of the Old Covenant. And they had broken with their families. And there was all kind of family pressure to go back to the Old Testament, forsake Christ. There were social pressures. We read later on in chapter 10 that they were being arrested and thrown in prison for their faith. They were having their property vandalized and plundered because they named the name of Jesus. All kinds of pressures to give up on Christ, to have an easier life, to reject so great a salvation. To reject really the faithful God who had brought the Old Testament to its conclusion in Christ and to say to God's faithfulness, no, we don't want the conclusion. We don't want you the keeper of your promises. We want to go back. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope. What's the confession of our hope? Well, very simply, it's the confession of Christ as our hope. The hope of Adam and Eve, who were promised the seed, who would crush the head of the serpent and reverse curse to blessing. That's hope. The hope given to Abram and Sarai, that from them would come a seed through whom all the nations would be blessed. That's hope. The hope of David, that one day his son would reign on the throne of God forever and with perfect righteousness. The hope of Israel that one day the perfect priest would come offering the perfect sacrifice that would cover all sin once for all. That hope, that hope that all the old covenant is looking toward, resting in a faithful God to keep his promises Hold fast to the confession of your hope. Namely, Christ. Hope is a person. In Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6 says that our hope has gone to heaven, passed through the veil, gone to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. His name is Jesus. Our hope is a person. Jesus. 
Yeah, the hope we confess, brothers and sisters, is lots of things. It's the hope of heaven, the hope of life, the hope of glory, the hope of perfection. We hope, we long for all these things. But finally, the hope we confess is Jesus. Really, God, the triune God who has come in Jesus and filled us with his spirit. So again, he's writing to people under lots of family pressure, lots of cultural pressure, lots of financial pressure. Get your property plundered? How many times can you handle that? Lots of theological pressure. Oh, your worship in the new covenant is so simple and boring. We have blood being spilled, animals being brought. We've got priests and robes and smells of incense and all kinds of fun stuff. We got a temple you can see. You have a high priest you can't see. He's in heaven. What's that worth? Oh, it's theological pressure. And yet the real hope that we have is one that we can't see. We could, he was on earth, but now he's in heaven. He's finished his work. Well, our founders knew That if we go the way of the world and follow its beliefs, we got nothing left. In spite of all the pressure, cultural pressure, government, court, employers, colleagues, families, friends, the satanic darkness of our culture, we live under all that pressure around us to to cave, to give up our faith, to give up our hope, really to give up our faithful God. For what? Whatever we abandon. When we abandon God, cannot be replaced by anything that we find as the substitute. Because there's nothing like our faithful God who's so committed to you that he would actually give his son to die for you then rise for you, so committed to you that he's going to see you through to the end. He'll give you strength when you're weary. When there are temptations, he will help you through. When you fall, he'll pick you up. Faithful. He's made a covenant of grace, an everlasting covenant. He will not break his promises. And when we sin ourselves into total hell worthiness, you come to him. He says, I won't turn you away. I'll take you back. Faithful. Because he's promised. He's promised. You can count on him. Totally reliable. So yeah, it's easier in this world. Yeah, it's less painful you probably get a higher paying job if you follow the ways of this world and forsake your confession of Christ. But you're letting go of the faithful God. That's the context here. Now the foundation of this call to hold fast, the foundation is, therefore, brothers, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering Because he who promised is faithful. That's the motivation. 
Because the one we're putting our faith in, the one we hope in, is the faithful God. And that's what's been so important over these 25 years. And that's what will be so important for us moving forward. That we don't rest in our own works, our own goodness, our own faith even. Not even our own faithfulness. That we must have faith and we must work. And we must love one another and we must be faithful. But we don't rest in that because we can never do that perfectly. We believe this faith because he's faithful. The one who promised is faithful. He will deliver. It all rests on the faithfulness of God. He'll never disappoint you. If you sell out Christ in order to keep a friend, well, that friend will eventually dump you for some other reason or get sick and die on you. But God is a friend who will never dump you and never get sick and die on you, never get tired, never grow weary. So yes, if we go the way of the world, we're left with nothing in the end. If we follow the track of liberalism and we cut out all the inconvenient parts of the Bible, the parts we don't like, or same as the track of wokeism, cancel all the things that don't make us feel good. What do you got? You're basically throwing God out of your life, the faithful one, the absolutely faithful one. Because eventually you just chip away at it and chip away at it until there's nothing left. That's not the pathway we wanted to go. We might still be tempted to go that way. Sometimes we are. The Hebrews were. Why should we be immune to that? We're not. But when we hold fast the confession of our hope, who is Jesus, we're putting our hands in the life of God. Putting our hand, life I mean in the hands of God. And he's the only safe place for your life because he is faithful. We sang that from Psalm 48. Tell the next generation, this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Or the song version. For as God, God as our own God will forever abide until life's journey close in death will be our faithful guide. It's because we want to rest in a God who's faithful. And we want to give to our children a God who is faithful. Because we know that's our only security. And that's what we've been stressing over the years, brothers and sisters. I trust you believe that church history is a roller coaster story of reformation, deformation, reformation, deformation, reformation, deformation. And the church of our Lord Jesus Christ stands only because of a merciful, gracious, and faithful God who's totally committed to his people. And apart from that commitment and that faithfulness of our God, we wouldn't exist. And the same is true of Providence United Reformed Church. 
We don't exist because we've been so faithful. We exist because God has been so faithful to us. And thankfully, many over our 25 years, short 25 years, have put their faith and hope in Christ, have confessed him, and they're still here or in other parts of the world, trusting our faithful God and serving him and his church with gladness. Praise the Lord. But some, to God's grief and ours, have turned away from faithful God and said, we want to do life our own way. We don't want God to get in the way of our lives and our feelings and what we want. And then you know God's also faithful to his word. His word is, if you reject me, I'll reject you. He's faithful. But the faithfulness of God also means that the moment a lost sinner, a sinner who's lost his way, comes to his senses and returns to the Lord, the Lord will receive you will receive him or her with open arms. He keeps his promise that no matter how unfaithful we've been, when we seek him, he will be found by us. He will not hide from us. When we come to him, he will not turn us away. When we trust him, he will receive us. He will forgive us because of Christ's blood and love. And he will love us to the end. He'll not let go of us. Though we may stumble, he will bring us to confession and he'll pick us up again. And so we persevere in faith only because God perseveres with us. We hear Jesus say, he who endures to the end will be saved. And do you know what I do with that? When I hear that, that sends a chill. He who endures to the end will be saved. How can I be sure that I'll endure? My faith can be so weak. I'm also chilled by the giant if, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, Paul says, I preach to you the gospel by which you're saved if you hold fast to it. Oh, that if chills me. What if I don't hold fast to it? How can I be sure I'll hold fast? What's my guarantee? What's my certainty as a sinful Christian in an age of drifting? There's only one. It's not when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's the faithfulness of God. Trust God to hold you to the end. I love that hymn that we sang, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. I'll be his faithful follower. Lord, I want to clasp your hand in mine. Okay, so I take his hand. But whose hand gets me there? My hand holding his or his mine? I clasp his hand. I must. That's faith. But when I do, he says, I'll hang on. That's my guarantee. That's my guarantee. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians. Jesus Christ will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ because God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So be strong in the Lord, brothers and sisters. The Lord will hold you fast. I think of Jeremiah 
in the book of Lamentation, just weeping and mourning and despairing that it's all over. Israel has lost the promised land, lost the holy city, lost the holy temple. They're gone, they're ruined. They're a widow. And then Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind, Lamentations 3, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Israel, way over there in exile. Trust to the Lord. And in his faithfulness, he brought them back. And they were not consumed because his compassions never fail. His mercies never come to an end. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, says Lamentations 3, to the soul who seeks him. So, brothers, God is always the church's hope. He's faithful to his covenant, faithful to his promises. We need to hold on to him. Trusting not our hold on him, but his hold on us when we come to him. One more example, and that's Ebenezer. One of my favorite names in the Bible. Maybe, maybe you know that. It means rock of help. There's Israel gathered at Mizpah for covenant renewal to confess their sins before the Lord. And the Philistines see that they're there having this massive gathering, and they say, here's the time to kill the church all at once. Let's go. They gather their armies. They come. Israel hears them coming. They cry out to Samuel, don't stop crying out to the Lord for us that he may deliver us from the hand of the Philistines. And the Lord thundered against the Philistines. The Israelites fought hard against them. They routed them. And at the end of the battle, Samuel said, good job, Israelites. You're great people. No, no, he took a stone, set it up there at Mizpah, called it Ebenezer. Till now the Lord has helped us. The Lord has brought us thus far. And so Ebenezer is always true. God calls us, we believe, we follow, we worship, we fight the good fight, we hold fast, but we do it trusting that he who promised will be faithful to us. He who promised will be faithful to us. There's enough, enough weakness in us individually and in our church to take us down any time. It's a miracle that we're here today. It really is. It's a million miracles. There's enough sin and weakness in us to take us down any time, but there's enough faithfulness in him to hold us fast, to persevere with us, to persevere with him so we can hold him fast. Ebenezer. Well, what's our response to God's faithfulness like Israel saying to Samuel, don't stop crying out to the Lord for us. We cry out to Jesus. This is too much for us. This temptation's too much. The darkness of the world is too much. The pressure of family and friends is too much. The pressure of the workplace is too much. The pre pressure of the lies of the culture, the pressure of the university, that's too much. And we cry to Jesus, don't stop praying for us. 
We put our confidence in him who is trustworthy, who loved us so much that he shed his precious blood for us and then went to glory to open a door to heaven for us and prepare a place for us and that's our eternal inheritance. That's our home. He is our hope. And our response to God's faithfulness, Lord, I will hold fast to the confession of hope because there is no one else who's absolutely faithful, no one else I can trust in life and in death for body and for soul. Even the best person is going to get sick and fade and die in you. And so the author of Hebrews chapter 12 says, run the race marked out for you. But how do you run the race with endurance? Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Trust in him to do his good work in you. As Providence United Reformed Church, Let's rest on the faithfulness of God who always keeps his word. You cannot go wrong when you hold fast your hope in him because he will not disappoint you. His faithful follower I will be. Why? For by his hand he leadeth me. Great is thy faithfulness. Be strong in the Lord. Why? He's your mighty defender who's always the same. Amen. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your work in us. We're weak, frail sinners. You're strong, faithful God. And we put our little lives in your big hand. That's security. That's eternity. as a church and as each member at Providence help us to lean wholly on the God who is always faithful to his promises the God who keeps his word the God who is the same yesterday today and forever the God who never changes in Jesus we pray this amen